Winklehank. Henry, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Adam. I am pleased to be with you here tonight uh, in web show form, an exciting new chapter of the Exit Velo podcast beginning tonight. Uh, but how are you doing, my friend? I am doing very well. This is very exciting. You can see us on, I believe, Facebook Live, and maybe we can eventually get this Instagram Live. And this is just great for Bat Sports pages. Exit Velo powered by Bat Sports. It's Bat Sports page, by the way can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and, of course, the website, batsportspage.com. This will become more of the norm, and we have a very, very exciting show for you guys tonight. Currently, the health and safety protocol of the Major League Baseball season has been released, and it's 67 pages long. Don't worry. You don't need to read it all. We are going to break it down for you guys tonight and answer your biggest questions. 67 pages, man. You said it. They left no stone unturned in this proposal. And that really is encouraging uh, after the reports coming out last week uh, indicating that it's going to be an ugly fight centered around the financials. It is nice to, to see so much emphasis being put on health and safety. I'm excited to, to get into the details with you, Adam. Exactly. It seemed like they were just going to go clashing right from the start. And it's, it's actually pretty funny because it's almost as if they know what's right ahead. They know they have this big financial battle, but at least they're agreeing on something. At least they're agreeing on health and safety, which almost seemed negligible last week. So that was just very weird. But hey, we have a good plan coming forward. Some respects might seem a bit extreme, but this is very encouraging nonetheless. Yeah, it's definitely good to see them start uh, start out these negotiations with a little bit of positivity, everybody being on the same page, a united front here with health and safety. Hopefully uh, that builds a little bit of momentum going into the financial discussions. Uh, but you hinted at it, Adam. There, There is a little bit of some strange parts of this. Uh, for instance, players not being able to shower uh, in the locker rooms after games. I know that is uh, an often scrutinized part of this. Something else that stood out to me, uh, players having to sit in the stands when not in the game. Uh, your bench players are kind of spaced out from one another in the empty stands. Um, players also, like on the road, having to get permission to leave the hotel. So there's there's some strange parts about it, but there are it, it's extensive in a word. So it, it's nice to see so much thought being put to player safety. Hey, it's better to be too careful than not careful enough. The last thing that anybody wants is for any of these players to be affected, which, by the way, if that does happen, the season would not stop. Although, imagine if Mike Trout got it. God forbid Mike Trout got it. But they would just be, they would call the team doctor to call the team clinician. They would have to wait at least seven days to take some, uh, a couple of different coronavirus tests. And until they get two negative tests, they are free to go and they have no symptoms and you have to go through all these kind of checkpoints to make sure that they're healthy and they're all good. But you're right, Henry. There's a lot of weird kind of rules. Players can't hug or high five or sit near each other. Like you mentioned, they can't have sunflower seeds. You can't even talk in the field, which is just, just strange. You can't like, I always love seeing back when Beltre played him and Cabrera, Cabrera making fun yeah. of each other at first base, all those little fun moments. We might not see that as much, which is just really odd. It'll definitely be a different looking game than the one that we know and love. Uh, but 
to have any baseball at all is something I know that you at both you and I are really excited about. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get used to that new normal of baseball. Uh, I'm sure it will take some time. Uh, I'm really gonna miss that too. I was thinking earlier about just seeing the players close together and just having fun together, interacting, talk with each other. Uh, you know, in a uh, Passan's uh, passing Passan, I don't know. In his yeah. breakdown uh, of the article, he's taught or sorry of the proposal, he's talking about how players aren't even supposed to talk to each other. Like when they get on first base, yeah, it seems a little bit robotic, but you know, absolutely, it is necessary to take these precautions and make sure that everybody's safe because safety is uh, is the chief concern, and you see that in sixty-seven pages here. So I'm, again, that is. I think that is a great sign. I must say I am delighted to hear that you will be missing some of these player interactions, especially since your Cubbies were part of the very infamous hug gate. Remember that whole deal of between Baez and Arenado, how they clashed into each other? With the <laughs> I, yeah, that was, uh, there was some bad blood between the Cubs and Rockies uh, earlier in the year too. So really? you wondered if that would boil over a little bit. Uh, it would be weird to see a hug start a brawl, but Stuff like that, um, not uh, not going to be uh, part of the game as we start out, at least here in the beginning of the season, maybe not all year. Um, brawls, another thing they said that that's not going to be allowed, which I guess is, you're never supposed to have brawls anyways, but maybe the punishment looks a little bit different. I think that's another piece that we're going to touch on uh, too, Adam, that punishment, what does that look like? Because I don't know if it's if it's totally clear from what we know so far. Even though this guideline is such a bait step forward, no one expected this, by the way. They had a week to kind of argue and discuss this. People thought it was going to be crazy from the start. People thought that baseball is all but over. And then they just come up with this great proposal that seemed, seemingly both sides agree on, which is great. But there, this isn't perfect. There are still going to be some modifications, such as players perhaps being fined or suspended if they don't follow these rules, whether accidentally or on purpose. For example, I, I can totally see Yaziel Puig just sneak out his hotel and get do, and do something funny or just, I don't know, do get a Snickers bar at a local 7-Eleven or something. I can totally see any player. I think of Puig because he's almost the bad boy of Major League Baseball, but any player could just do that, which would violate these guidelines. So would you be suspended for that? I, I can't really see that happening, but... I think it's just more accountability of the players just taking all this seriously, doing this for the team, doing this for themselves, doing this for their family, and just trying to be as safe as possible. And with Puig, I thought you were going to say that he was going to start a brawl. Uh, well, that's that, so that's kind of where my mind goes with Puig. He, he's one of the more infamous brawlers in today's game. Uh, but I think that the point you made at the end there, Adam, is definitely a good one, and that hopefully the gravity of the situation kind of holds everybody in line a little bit and, and guys know they just got to go out there and, and do their jobs, uh, but do it in as safe a way as possible. Uh, know that a lot of eyes are, are on them now and a lot of people need a lift and, and need some inspiration and they have a huge opportunity to really make a difference in a lot of people's lives and provide um, some much needed happiness. We've mentioned this before, Henry, and, we'll, and I'll mention this again. It is the most American thing possible to have baseball return on July 4th, be the first sport back. And that is a real possibility. You're right. This is such a pick-me-up if it happens. And I, as I mentioned before, I am totally ecstatic 
that we are seeing some breakthroughs here. And we'll get into the other stuff about how it's still a little bit ways away or why this whole plan is not completely perfect yet. But this is a great step forward. This is a great pick-me-up, and hopefully there'll be more good news to come. Yeah, it's, it's just getting the financials figured out at this point seems to be the major hurdle left. And, and then obviously the, the health and safety uh, side of things that are out of our control have to um, still line up for play to resume. Um, but it is encouraging to see uh, both sides agreeing on this uh, on these points and to see so much thought again uh, put into this. It, it definitely feels like a step in the right direction. And hopefully some of that collaboration does spill over into the uh, anticipated to be more messy financial uh, negotiations. We will get into the financial situation, but let's, let's go a little bit more over about some of these big questions that are being left unanswered or some of the problems with the uh, proposal, because there's a lot of good in this, but there is some bad for instance, there are these tiers that they regarded. There's tier one, there's tier two, and there's tier three. Tier one is all baseball personnel. So the players, the coaches, the managers, tier two is these other baseball personnel that needs to be needed. Then tier three is are these groundskeeper, the hotel workers. Tier one and tier two, they're going to be very extensively tested for coronavirus. They are using this facility in Utah called, I think, Smartel which is going to be these fast tests that give them back. They're going to get several times a week checking their temperature. Tier one and tier two are doing this, but tier three, the groundskeepers, the hotel members, they're not doing that as often, which is weird because baseball players are putting their lives at risk too. Maybe not as much as you play on the field and being surrounded, but they're putting their lives at risk. So I thought it was kind of weird how tier three wasn't going to be tested as often. I did think that was a little bit weird too. And and maybe it's just at some point you do have to draw the line and know that we're not at the point where we're going to be able to test everybody as frequently as we would like. Um, but yeah, my mind kind of went to that too, Adam. I was thinking from the perspective of what if somebody, one of those tier three employees does end up talking to a tier two person who talks to a tier one person and then the inspection, or the, I'm sorry, the infection is is kind of spreading in that manner. Um, you know, as we've seen, it can it can spread pretty easily. It's highly contagious. Um, but I think a, another important piece to remember here is that it's not like those tier three individuals are just going to be completely neglected as far as testing goes. Uh, it's just that they're not going to be tested as stringently as the players. Already, the the testing that they plan is is very intense. Very, they're very on top of it. So you're right. I'm glad, and I'm glad you mentioned that too. I'm glad you clarified that. How these essential workers, the hotelsmen and women, the groundskeepers, they're going to be tested as well, just not as frequently. But there also are some other big questions, such as what if a player gets infected on the road? Which is you would think that ha they would have that covered, by the way how if a player gets infected in the road, but that was surprisingly left out. I mean, it does bring some big questions to mind. Um, I, something I saw in, in the ESPN article is like, do you drive him to, you know, a hospital? Do you get him on a plane? Uh, so, you know, that's a tough situation. Um, so that there definitely are answers that need to come on that. But I think it is encouraging that you saw the contingency plan 
just overall that you know that if a player does get infected, you know, we can pretty much say when a player does get infected. It's I think maybe it's a bit naive to act as if it's not going to happen. Uh, it's definitely encouraging to see that there is a plan in place uh, for the game to continue when that does happen. That and, and then having the guidelines laid out for seven days away from the game and then two negative tests. I think that is, is definitely a good uh, a good fun uh, foundation for to build on for what happens when a player gets infected on the road. They really did think of everything or almost everything. I would say. And you could have a different estimate too. I would say it's about 90 to 95% complete with the health and safety. And no one's arguing it, at least so far. All the concerns from Doolittle and Snow and Harper and so many other players, of course, players such as Mike Trout and I believe Garrett Cole too, they have kids. So they will have now have a fail safe if something goes wrong. And that is really, really encouraging. Absolutely. And you know, safety really is, uh, I think it kind of gets lost a little bit in the discussion. I mean, obviously everybody wants sports back. We all want to see baseball. We love baseball. And then all the talk about money too. It's important to remember that ultimately uh, lives are at stake and that players are human beings and they have families at home. So it's important that we're respecting their humanity and their safety and that, you know, respect that they want uh, the environment to be as safe as possible. That actually does remind me of another point that I also found kind of weird with the article in how players with high risk, they could have asthma, they could have compromised immune system, people who are more susceptible to COVID-19, they have the option of not playing the season, which is very interesting because that leads to several questions. Do they get paid still? Are there, is there going to be a discount? What about low-risk players who have family with compromised immune systems or asthma or people who are more likely? What about low-risk players in general who just don't want to risk their lives? What happens to their pay? And just all those other questions come along with it. Those are the questions that still need to be answered. Yeah, that's a good point, Adam. You're attempting to solve one problem, and in your good-natured ways, you've kind of opened the door on, on several others. Uh, where do you draw the line on that? Um, who's you know, the lowest risk, high risk person, who's the highest risk, low risk person. It could be hard to, to draw that line, uh, but it is encouraging that they're at least making an effort uh, to give players an alternative if they are clearly at, at a high risk, uh, that they shouldn't have to go out there and, and risk their lives um, and, and be in too much danger. Uh, that, that sounds bad, like, I'm, like I want anybody to be in any danger at all. And I think it is important to note that this plan has, has done a good job, in my opinion, of eliminating as much danger for everyone as possible. Certainly more so than anyone could have expected. But Henry, if you were commissioner right now, would you penalize, penalize the players that, for doing any of these things, perhaps getting a, a Snickers at 7-Eleven, as I mentioned earlier, or deciding not to play the season, whether or not they have high risk or low risk? I can't really imagine them penalizing the player or if they are they can't just take away their entire salary that doesn't seem right i yeah i would hope that the players would still be compensated in uh in some regard maybe not getting that entirely or entire salary but you the two examples you gave there and there is a lot of middle ground in between going out and getting that candy bar and then not wanting to to play the season which i think speaks to the fact that 
you know, it's going to be a lot of uh, case by case basis kind of, uh, you know, everybody has different situations and you do sort of need a little bit of uniformity uh, for fairness to happen in these situations. If you're going to decide who's being paid their full salary and who's not because they're high risk. So it, it is awfully tricky. And just thinking out loud, that makes me a little bit nervous about all of these details getting sorted out before June 10th is the date that they would supposed to be starting uh, spring training. So, wow, man, uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little less optimistic. You took me down a notch there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's probably, it's good to, to be realistic, have a little reality check because, you know, we can go got, kind of get bogged down in this full full speed ahead. We want baseball back at all costs. It's it's important to remember that, you know, there are there are some reality uh, factors that we have to consider and, and take a step back and look at the big picture. I don't think June 10th or July 4th, as much as it'd be fun to have baseball on July 4th and have fireworks with no fans at the stadium, that would be a sight. Maybe people would be outside the stadium cheering them on. That'd be... That'd be fun, but in all fair, in all seriousness, if if it needs to be pushed back a couple of weeks, that can be that can be more than possible. Baseball has talked about the negotiated idea rather of having baseball since November, having baseball seven to late October still. It could still be longer than eighty-two games, which we'll go into about how the players might feel about this in terms of finances. So it doesn't have to be June tenth. It just needs to be around that time. It could be a couple weeks later, a couple weeks before, probably not before, but you get what I mean. It has to be, it's getting close, which is a little scary, but now that they've kind of moved on from health and safety issues, now they can get to the crux of the problem. And I kind of had been locked into that mindset that it's it's like June 10th or bust, uh, but I think that is good perspective that you just gave there, Adam, that there is uh, feasibly, there's a little bit of wiggle room left to where they have some extra time to iron out some of the finer details there. Uh, it would be weird to see baseball well into November. You might have to go exclusively domes or, or warm weather uh, warm weather cities for that. But if, if that's what it takes, if, if the health and safety for sure is what it calls for, then we'll take what we can get. Exactly. Health and safety is the most important. Doolittle was a big, I think Doolittle was honestly a hero throughout all this because he was asking all the good questions. You have to wonder how much did he actually contribute to all this? I wonder if he was a rep or I wonder who was kind of leading the MLB Players Association and how they wanted to get this done first. They wanted to have common agreement there. I wonder really the big players, the big people, big baseball personnel involved throughout all this. And I'm sure we'll be hearing about them in the future. Certainly in the reports we heard last week, uh, Doolittle seemed to be the big voice uh, from the player camp talking about safety. So I think that he definitely moved the needle in that direction and maybe won over public opinion a little bit and to, to making those emphasized talking points. So good on you, Sean Doolittle. I, I do think that he acted heroically throughout all of this, and I'm very glad that he was able to bring those points to the forefront. It is pretty amazing how complex and how there's just so much there's so much politics throughout all of this between the players and the owners. It's it's very weird. It's just I mean everyone knows the political situation now. I won't get into that. It's not the type of show for it, but it's weird to see so much politics in baseball. Just it's very strange. 
It is. And I think that speaks more to uh, to our society than anything else, to our politics is, is finding a way to creep into <laughs> any and everything. Uh, it, it can feel uh, like a disease in that way, but um, not always negative, but uh, it would be nice to, to see politics out of baseball uh, for now. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't need to belong there. And maybe maybe shame on me for mentioning that in our non-political ice and fuel podcast. <laughs> I, I think it is it's worth mentioning. It, it's it's certainly uh, it is something that's happening. So we talk about the facts, Adam. We don't make them. We do, we do. Actually, one one surprise, one another another detail that I was very surprised by, and I'm, I'm actually a little surprised in how that more people are not getting angry and up in arms about this, about MLB is that they're using the state facility in Utah. I actually, we, in our private group chat or a little Google doc, I mentioned a couple times ago, we didn't get to the question, but the question was how ethical would it be if MLB went to a testing facility and had all their players tested, perhaps put themselves in front of other people, people more at risk of COVID-19 people who are more susceptible to it. And that's exactly kind of what they're doing with Utah, the Smarto drug testing lab. They're going to have about 3,000 players test weekly, several times a week, about having these COVID-19 tests. Now, what MLB did in return was they paid for all the tests of all the patients that are going to this facility, which has over 10,000 tests a week, which is great. But at the same time, you're really going to put a Major League Baseball player over someone who might be 90 years old with COVID-19 and they could be in front of them because baseball players obviously have to get back to their job and you want to get to the game as quickly as possible. So it's not really ethical, despite it being a good thing. They'll be paid for free tests. Now I, I will stand up for the league uh, a little bit here and that they, I think they saved face a little bit in that regard and that uh, that facility is going to have extra capacity for testing in which they have agreed uh, they've committed to, uh, to do run extra tests for healthcare workers in 26 of MLB cities. Um, so it's good that they will be helping out with that extra testing capacity and, and giving back to the communities in which MLB teams play. Um, and then also, I think that uh, a little bit of the landscape in which we're in now has made this a possibility to where uh, testing has expanded to where maybe it's not so dire as it was a month ago to where um, I don't want to speak uh, out of line, but hopefully I would think that they're not cutting the the 90-year-old patient in line for the test, but rather maybe uh, somebody who's among the worried well, uh, just looking to, to see if maybe I had it, maybe I didn't. I think uh, that we've gotten testing to a point where most of, of the high-risk people are, are having already gotten their test anyway. They're going to have those tests. We have the testing capacity for them to where we do have a little more room to dedicate a facility like this uh, to the MLB. Well, I certainly hope you're right. You never know. Obviously, that wouldn't be reported by baseball. If it was true, that wasn't true. But you are right. I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the point and how they're helping up all the 26 metropolitan cities. That's really good service. It's a win-win situation, honestly. It makes sense for the Utah company because they gain some money, they gain some testing, from Major League Baseball in return, the community gets more tests and sports are able to happen, which also help the general public who wants sports to return. So it's a win-win situation. It's a smart move from both sides and it makes sense. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I do think that you can, I, I think it's a fair question. You start to get into a little bit maybe of a ethical gray area, but I think that, you know, hopefully testing is to the point where this isn't, uh, isn't a, a questionable action by the league. I think the fact that Twitter, just, just knowing baseball Twitter, since I'm starting to be more on it, I think the fact that baseball Twitter as a whole, where people are not really too angry about this, I think that's already a good sign that this will not be as big of a deal. It's okay. They're helping the community. They, they're doing their due diligence with all this. So I think in that regard, we can feel optimistic that it might not be the most ethical decision, but it's as close as it can get. Yeah, it is typically a good sign that baseball Twitter hasn't exploded yet. <laughs> or the Twitter in general. If, if there is something to be outraged about, Twitter will, will be the first ones there up in arms. It's tweeting in all caps. <laughs> exactly. You are very right there. Hey, I've been outraged a time or two. <laughs> it's easy on Twitter. You're, and it, it, it's funny because you don't see the other people on the other side, so it's easy to just argue with a complete stranger over baseball or whatever on Twitter. Yeah, it, it might be kind of healthy in a way, just to, to let it out uh, via your keyboard every now and then. It, it's cathartic. You just got to get it out sometimes. Yeah, within reason. We're not saying go overboard. We're, we are not a pro-cyberbullying podcast by any means, so don't do that. Not in the slightest. We are not the type of podcast at all. I always see people cursing on Twitter and all that. Even, even that I don't do. If I get quote-unquote heated on Twitter, I just maybe try to validate my points. I saw today that someone said that Baez was better than Yelich, which I thought was very interesting. Maybe you maybe you agree or disagree with that since you're a Cubs uh, fan. But. I saw that. Uh, I didn't, didn't interact with that tweet. I wasn't going to touch that one. Uh, as much as I would love to believe that Baez is, is greater than Yelich, I, as biased as I can be, I don't know if I can bring myself to, to that level of ridiculousness. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Henry. I'm proud of you not engaging. I'm proud that you are smart enough to realize the truth there. But they're both great players, but it, that seemed a bit far-fetched to me. Yeah, I got to pick my battles, man. I got to hold on to what little credibility I do have left. <laughs> I feel that. Just to move on a little bit, we should still talk about the power dynamic between the Players Association and Major League Baseball. There is this additional to Passon's article. He also had a little bit of an interview, very short interview. I'm sure it was a bit longer on perhaps MLB TV or MLB Network, rather. He did say, though, how there could be possible deferrals in the season. So right now, we mentioned this last time. We haven't checked out our last podcast. Please do so because we do fill in a lot more of the details. Nonetheless, with the players, they were given this option of a 50-50 revenue split, but it wasn't really 50-50. Baseball could still be canceled. You don't know how much revenue they're going to be getting. Revenue is never a factor in the players' salaries, and this is also different than their prorated amount, which is based on number of games played. In that way, in a prorated amount, the players make more money too. So the players are and they already it. agreed to it. Yeah, they already Sorry. agreed to it in March. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for adding that in. They already agreed to it, and they have to take even more of a pay cut. It doesn't make sense anyway in the player's standpoint. It's a non-starter, according to MLBPA head Tony Clark. 
but there is deferrals, which I really like the idea. Henry, what did you think about Passon's idea about deferrals? I, I think it's a good creative idea. And if, if that's what it takes to, to get the nego negotiations going, I think that, you know, that could be a good solution to get a little bit more creative with the financials and, and try and find a win-win uh, where you can allow the owners to, um, I guess, absorb the, the financial hit of, of not having uh, fans in the crowd and then deferring those, uh, those payments to players later on when you expect uh, finances to be stronger. Of course, no one wants to be in debt, even though America's already in total complete debt, which is pretty funny. Nonetheless, it's within reason for the owners to take on this money. They're already billionaires for starters. And a couple of years down the road, the virus won't get any worse, won't get worse than that regard. The economy should be better. There is optimism that they can pay these players back. I don't think deferrals are talked about enough. We don't hear that from MLB players. So you don't hear that from owners, but I think if there's going to be any compromise whatsoever, that'd be a really good talking point. Yeah. It almost like kind of reminds me of the CBA fight and the build up to that fight in a way to where it's like this single point in time where we're like getting there and building there and the conflict has to be like right at this very moment or else, but like, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think deferrals could be a good way out of that to where you push that away a little bit down the line. We don't have to necessarily have this all figured out right now. Trust that things are going to be better in the future. And I think it's a good solution. I, I think it's definitely worth looking into. All they need is a temporary solution. They don't need, they still have a couple of years away and they should use all the time necessary. Because baseball players and owners, I would say in every sport, really, baseball's had a bad too. Everyone remembers 1994. I wasn't alive for it. Still terrible. As we talked about last time how the Expos were snubbed of their perhaps rightful playoff berth in 94, perhaps even World Series title. Totally awful when the players and owners cannot agree on something, but everyone wants baseball this season. You have two years. Use that time wisely. Do it in the offseason for all we care. Just don't let it affect this season. Just come to a solid agreement, which I'm sure they can because everyone wants baseball. And the health and safety procedures definitely help. So just let's just find a solution. Yeah, this is, you know, really a time when baseball fans don't need a, you know, a negative, ugly fight over money. People have uh, a lot of tough things going on in their everyday lives already as, as we struggle to fight this virus. And I know there are millions and millions of people out there who, could, who would love to come home and, and turn on their TV at night and see a little bit of baseball, even if, if there's not fans in the stands, uh, even if players are sitting in the stands apart from each other and, and not interacting with each other, or high-fiving or anything. Uh, you know, people need that, that. They need the positivity of the game they love. and they have the players and the owners have an opportunity to come together and make an agreement that can help not only both of those parties out, but can help the American people. So we have a chance to, to all win here, and it's, it's just going to take a little bit of compromise, as it often does, Adam. I love the patriotism there, Henry. <laughs> Thank and you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're so right. We just need to figure it out. Let's get this moving forward. And the end of the day, we just all want baseball. It's the biggest distractor, and it's a good distractor. We all want to see sports. 
You want to see the NBA and the NFL too and the NHL. You know, I think baseball's better, and I hope you're in agreement with me there, Henry, although uh, you're a hockey fan too, right? No, I, I am pretty pretty hockey ignorant, uh, in fact. I, I don't know much about puck, but uh, I do love basketball and football, but baseball, it, it holds the spot in my heart. Okay, that's good to hear. I don't know how I thought you were a hockey guy. Maybe I was confusing <laughs> you with someone else. First. I don't know. That's all good. We should also get to the point about another baseball proposal, although not as serious, not mentioned by Manfred, mentioned by one of the most talked about players in the game, and that is Bryce Harper's proposal. Henry, at first glance, what do you think of his proposal? It All right, my first impression was – it reminds me of that one guy in your fantasy sports leagues that comes in, uh, like the new guy league, and tries to like change every single like league setting. I thought it was like, a little bit annoying from that uh, perspective. I felt like he maybe was trying to do a little bit too much, but I mean, I get it, Bryce. You know, everybody's social distancing. You're a little bit bored. Uh, the mind tends to wander a little bit, and it's it's not really a bad uh, proposal. There there's some interesting parts to it. My first impression was that is a whole lot of games. Uh, he, he proposed 135 games. You're, you're playing like every day and then like halfway every day from uh, the start of July through halfway through November. And then, I mean, there's like a handful of off days in there somewhere. Um, and then the College World Series format, I, I didn't love that. What would you think, Adam? First of all, you were spot on. And I mean spot on with fantasy baseball because I've experienced that several times. So for all you fantasy baseball or just fantasy fans out there, Henry's your guy. That was great. I love hey, it. I, I appreciate it, man. No problem. And you're right. It does. There are some good ideas. It wasn't half bad once you actually read it. But I didn't like the fact of seven inning games because that too just would be pushing – baseball's agenda of speeding the game up, which is not a bad idea, but I am not in favor of baseball limiting innings. Not at all. And that would just be – once they implement seven inning games, that's not going away. So not happy about that. He also, wasn't saying was, all of them, were they? Was he saying all the games or just the double headers on Sunday, right? You're right. I should have clarified that. It was just the double headers. But nonetheless, just I don't want to see seven inning double headers too. As cool as double headers are – I don't want to see seven in games. That that just seems dang, dangerous territory for baseball. Well, they kind of trick me there because I like my mind is like, oh, that's that's a fourteen inning game. That's awesome. I, I don't like break it down to where I'm like getting cheated out of the extra four innings from the two games. But you you are right, Adam. You do the math. We are we are missing out on a little bit of baseball there. I also do agree with you in the round robin format. It just wouldn't make sense. I don't want to see the Orioles be including the playoffs. I don't know how exactly it would work. But I don't, 14 teams is already too much. 10 teams is just fine with me. I don't want to see every single team make it. The Orioles do not deserve a playoff berth. I'm sorry. They just don't. And anyone who disagrees with me, shame on you. The Orioles are not a playoff team yet. Maybe five years down the road. But they should not be in the playoffs in 2020. I don't care if it's a shortened season. They should not be there right now. Uh, Glaber Torres disagrees. He would love to see <laughs> Orioles pitchers in November. 
But now I do agree with you, Adam. 14 is way, way, way too inclusive. I think 10 is actually is a pretty sweet spot. Um, the good news is even if it was 14, the Orioles would still be like 16 teams out of the playoffs or 16 spots out of the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe in a year like this is, is like I, is one time I could get behind 14, but otherwise, yeah, that is, that's way too much. It could be something of the future, which I don't really like. We can maybe they'll definitely test it out. Baseball's not opposed to playoff games. Again, we mentioned this in the last podcast. Please check it out if you haven't already. So we could see we'll definitely probably see at least fourteen teams this year, which will already be good for your Cubbies and more fringe teams, perhaps like the Mets, <laughs> going back to Q way back when. So fourteen teams is enough. I can't even get mad. It's accurate. We we need all the playoff spots we can get. Yeah, not too helpful to my Yankees. More more competitors. We don't need that right now. <laughs> uh, must be nice, huh? It is. It is very nice on top of Yankeeville, on top of Yankee Stadium. Yes, sir. Well, maybe uh, maybe my Cubs will meet you in the World Series and knock you down a peg. Hey, I would love to see it happen. I'd love to see Baez and Glaber going. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. That would be. That would actually be a really cool World Series. Let's set it up. I'll have my people get in touch with your people. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. You guys just got to keep Stanton and Judge on the field. <laughs> yeah, that that is the trouble. I, I'll give Actually, you that. Doesn't matter. They can both miss the whole year, and you guys will still win a hundred games. Happened last year. <laughs> man, Yankees find a way, man. They always do somehow. I do want to mention another aspect of the Harper proposal that I thought was really interesting. He said, no blackouts, an all-star game, oh, a home yeah. run derby, now will be awards before the world series. Henry, what's your take on that? Uh, it would be cool. The all-star game right before and the home run derby right before the world series. Um, I like it a lot where it is right now in the middle of the summer. I really look forward to that, but I don't know. That'd be a really cool week if it was in the world series week too. Uh, I just thought it was a tiny bit funny to see uh, Harper, Mr. $330 million, uh, talking about the no blackouts, play it everywhere. So that's coming across to me like, oh, come on, TV people. You guys don't need money from this. Just let everybody watch the game. You make a lot of money playing that game, Bryce Harper. They're trying to get theirs too, man. That that, that was my takeaway. That's it would be nice though. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'd like to watch baseball for free. I just I get that it is a business. I don't see how, in any shape or form, baseball can be free for, via watching it this year. There's no way because they're already suffering enough. <laughs> That's so, the only way they're going to make money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I do like no blackout restrictions, though, because I hate not being able to see Yankee Stadium or Yankees play, rather, via MLB TV. Although there is FS1 or Fox Sports Go. That always helps, and the Yes Network on Sling. So I'll find a way, but it is it would be nice to see MLB TV get behind that as well. Yeah, I mean, from a fruit fan's perspective, yeah, sure. we'll, we, sure. we want to watch all the baseball for free, absolutely. So I think a very fan-friendly proposal for Mr. Harper. Uh, not sure if it's the most realistic. I don't think it'll even reach Rob Manfred. No, <laughs> probably, probably not. He should have had somebody else submit it like on his behalf too, because I feel like everybody hates Bryce Harper. 
which is weird. I, I think it's only because ESPN just like they killed him. Now I shouldn't go that far, but they just they beat a dead horse in the sense they kept showing Harper highlights and Harper highlights and more Harper highlights, but didn't show anything of Trout or other players. And it was just that one great season, I believe in what, 2015, right? Gosh, it, was that, it was that long ago, but yeah, that was it. Yeah. On time and go. And he's still a great player. Still one of the best outfielders in baseball, still one of the better players in baseball, but he, he's not going to probably return back to that form at least anytime soon. And, he doesn't uh, deserve to be talked to Trout. Maybe just uh, Yeah, he's, he's no Mike Trout, but I, I think that the potential is still very much there for Bryce. I like him, I, and I think he had a pretty decent last uh, year oh, last yeah. year. Uh, struck out a lot, but uh, I, I digress. I don't want to get too deep into to Bryce Harper's 2019 numbers, but I don't know. I think he could still turn it around, but that's a talk for another time, my friend. That is. On that note, Thank you all for listening to the Exit Viewer podcast powered by Bat Sports Page. In addition to watching it us live, me and Henry go at it face to face, which is always fun. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and the website, batsportspage.com. So, once again, thank you all for watching. Until next time, this is not goodbye. This is see you later. This is the Exit Viewer podcast. Thanks for tuning in, baby.